Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coming up on the final 56 laps of the NASCAR Cup Series Ally 400 from Nashville Super Speedway out in front. It is Kyle Busch, but he has been run down by the nine of Chase Elliott. Oh, caution is out, even with 40 oh, laps. Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans, that's T-T-2 tires. Let's see if that's it. It's that's, Tennessee that's Titans. Titans Dakota. Stand for staying out, they're crazy. Well, that's they have got <laughs> to stay out right here. Oh, split decision. Chase, stay Kyle out. Busch, he comes to pit road, gives up second. And a lot stay out behind him. This is going to be interesting. And I think there might be a little buyer's remorse on those that decided to come down to road. Kurt Busch feeling really good about this call. His car was great the few times that he sniffed that clean air. Now starting on the front row, he definitely could have the speed to challenge at nine. And a great restart for both. Second into the wall. Brad Keselowski gets into the wall. They stay green. Looking for his second win of the 2022 season. Chase Elliott wins. Yo, baby. Good stuff, boys. You know how to play a guitar? Uh, not really, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. <laughs> Greetings. Welcome to NASCAR American Motormouths. Nate Ryan, Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte. We just got done with the first race of the NASCAR and NBC season. Long day at Nashville Super Speedway, guys, but an eventful day as we just saw. It was an eventful day. It was great to be back at the racetrack. It was a lot of fun. It was a really good race. Uh, there were so many things going on in the race. We had green flag pit stops interrupted with cautions. We had a little bit of everything. Great battles for the lead. Three-way battle for there for the lead for a long time. It was really a, it was a much longer race than we needed, Steve. But, <laughs> but, but it was a really fun race from start to finish. You know, when you talk about what makes good racing, what makes the soup, it starts with a great track and a great town. Nashville provided that fans came out. It was packed. Then you got to have great racing. I mean, three wide, lap after lap after lap. I don't know how that's not great racing. Uh, and then you'd like to have a little bit of either controversy or just mistakes or a little bit of all that. And we had it all. Uh, if, you were, if you were, you know, keeping the old baseball box score, you ran out of lead in your pencil because it was, it was chaos, right? And things happened on pit road. Things happened on the racetrack. But more than anything, I walked out of the booth about 20 minutes before the green flag. Cars as far as you could see. People as far as you could see. We're back in Nashville for the right reasons. The fans were there, and that's really what matters to me. And the fans are what matters to this show as well. We're taking your phone calls here. NASCAR American Motor Miles, 844-NASCAR-NBC. Give us a call if you want to ask anything about Nashville Super Speedway, the race. Talk to Steve Letarte and Jeff Burton. And you know, I guess we could start with 
Big win for Chase Elliott, certainly second win of the season. He's now tied for the playoff point lead with William Byron, Ross Chastain with 13 playoff points. And a big call for him and Alan Gustafson to make at the end of this race, and it worked out for them. A big call, big adjustments. Uh, I'm not going to say they did everything right. They had some pit stop woes as well. They were just fortunate enough. Theirs were early in the race. It gave them time to recover. Um, I'd I, be honest, I'm not sure there was a team that didn't have some sort of pit stop woes on pit road. Uh, but, but you know, won at Dover. Now he's won here for once. In a, it was only road courses. Now it's concrete. I think that Alan Gustafson, the most senior crew chief at Hendrick Motorsports, his time with Chase Elliott, their championship uh, caliber group, they've won a championship before. So in a week that everything was tested, it doesn't surprise me that that unison, that driver-crew chief combination, the weather, the adjustments, the changes, the calls, fell their way. I think that's one of their strengths is working through challenges. And the challenge could be a day long or a month long, but they seem to stick arm in arm. Uh, that's what they did on Sunday, in my mind, Jeff, as they stuck together and, and battled through it. Yeah, well, one thing we talked about as soon as we came back from the rain delay is how different the racetrack was going to be. The temperature dropped, felt like 30 degrees, and, and we knew right then there was going to be a major change in how the cars drove. We didn't know who was going to figure it out. Alan Gufferson is really, really smart. In my opinion, an underrated crew chief in the Cup Garage. Uh, he wins races, won them for a long time, builds very fast race cars, and he and Chase Elliott did the best job of everybody of getting their car to drive the way it needed to drive at winning time in a condition that no one was expecting. So, you know, we could talk about <clears throat> he had a great restart uh, with three to go, three, three restarts till the end. He had a great restart. Uh, we could talk about that. We could talk about uh, uh, Kyle Busch's and his team's decision to pit, all those things. But at the end of the day, those two had the fastest race car when it countered, and that's, that's teamwork, and that's what it takes to win in this level. Yeah, and their car improved significantly, like you said, Jeff, after the break. It didn't start out great. They didn't really have a great weekend, Stevie, up until that point, but clearly they made the right moves, and they overcame Joe Gibbs Racing, who, between Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, led 250 of 300 laps, but yet Chase Elliott wins the race. That's going to be kind of demoralizing for Joe Gibbs Racing, right? So we're going to spend, I'm sure, more than enough in this show to figure out how they lost the race. Let's start with the positives. The positives were that Toyota, TRD, Joe Gibbs Racing went to Sonoma a few weeks ago and couldn't put a Toyota in the top 15. Um, there was a lot of said in the media internally. David Wilson said, this is, no, this is unacceptable, right? Drivers unacceptable. No one liked it. I have no idea what spark it lit or what changed, but they came to Nashville ready to go. They had raw speed. They had raw speed top to bottom. We saw it with the 23 above the walls in practice. It carried over to the other Toyotas in the race, and it was really just a matter of time. Matter of fact, we talked to Denny Hamlin early in the race after one of the delays, and he said, to the point, Jeff, <laughs> I'm pretty good, but my teammates are cut. Like, he knew all the Toyotas were that good. That's the positive raw speed they had it it was impressive it did go away at the end with some decisions but speed fixes a lot yeah a big change like you said there was you know your interview with david wilson with toyota was very revealing and very upfront. like this is not good and then even to the point where he said you know martin truex jr part of his decision about coming back or not is that he's not having fun he said we're not putting him in position we're making mistakes for him he's not able to execute because of our mistakes I mean, that's throwing it out there. Like, we got to get it together. And they came to this racetrack on this weekend with tons of speed. And there's something to be said for that. We're starting to see that more and more from Toyotas. I think that the Toyotas are going, they're getting better. 
they got to clean up some of these mistakes for sure, but they're getting their speed where it needs to be. I don't want to preview this weekend, but I'm sure they're terrified after Sonoma. I'm sure they're terrified to go to Road America, <laughs> a road course. Yeah. But, but it seems like on the ovals they're starting to have some real speed. Yeah, obviously a dark path they went down at Sonoma. We'll see Ooh. if they fix it this weekend at Road America. Uh, as we said, NASCAR American Motor Mouse about the fans, about the callers, and we're going to get started with Josh on the line. Josh, welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouse. What you got? Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Personally, if I were a JGR 2311 team manager, I think I'd be pretty disappointed with the finish these guys put on. Like you said, 250 laps out of 300 laps led as an organization by JGR. But what I would do, I'd be disappointed. I'd just move on next week, fresh mentality. But the question I have is, when it comes to multi-car teams, do team managers have favorites being played and do they just throw their eggs in one particular basket i know some people at hendrick motorsports would think that alex bowman is regularly getting the short end of the stick and has worse equipment or crew members than his teammates but could we also be seeing this in toyota stable like kyle bush with his crew chief or christopher bell in the 20 as the lowest jgr entry all right, so that's a great question. The question is, what, how do team managers work multi-car organizations? And, and the truth is, I think that's one of the toughest things to do when you look across the global organization. You and I had this conversation over the course of the weekend about Pitt Cruz and Joe Gibbs Racing. So people have to keep in mind that Joe Gibbs Racing now, they used to have four house cars and some rental or lease cars, some non-Toyota, non-Joe Gibbs Racing teams that used their Pitt Cruz. I think that gave a manager a lot of confidence to know that's where we're going to generate talent. That's where we're going to bring people up. 2311 is not a rental or a lease program. Joe Gibbs Racing now provides six Toyota Cup cars with pit crew members. That are 30 pit crew members required every single week. Now two are suspended. So now you're to 32. In addition to Xfinity teams that they yeah, We haven't even for. got to Saturday, right? Yeah. So, so I just think that... So look, we talk about cars and technology... It's all about people. And when you try to expand, finding the right people and good people and consistent people is very, very, very hard. I think that's what you have. It's a good question. The simple answer is no. I don't think team managers have favorites. I think that they are consistently, they are like a surgeon in a trauma unit. Most team managers are just trying to fix whatever, you know, catastrophic issue it is this week. Whether it's a mechanical issue with engines or bad pit stops or whatever it may be, you have to just continue to, the goal is to have enough preparation that, that the trauma is a broken leg, not open-heart surgery. But you have to just go where the trauma is in your organization. And, and he pointed out some good points. I do think Christopher Bell's pit crew is not very good. But you're going to tell Denny Hamlin that? Because I can argue without two pit stops, he controls the whole race. You're going to tell Bubba Wallace that? Because they are not good. Not good by a long ways on pit road. So I, I don't think this is new. And much like I said about Chase Elliott, a lot of people, Jeff, are having pit crew issues I don't think anyone is dominating in that area. Um, so, no, the short answer. And to his point about frustration, yeah, I'd be frustrated if I didn't win with the fastest cars as well, but there's a lot of ways to lose them. I've tried them all. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think also, you know, when you talk, talk about crew chiefs, you know, Alex Bowman, remember, I think he won four races last year. He's won a race this year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of confidence. You, you, this guy right here has been in the, you know, behind those walls at Hendrick a great deal. They don't have anybody that's crew chief in one of those cars that they don't believe is capable of winning races and winning championships. Same with Joe Gibbs Racing. It does no, 
it does Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, Richard Childress Racing, any one of those teams does them no good to have A and B teams. They need to have all A teams because remember, you are recruiting for everything. You're recruiting for sponsors. You're recruiting for crew members. You're recruiting for future drivers. You're recruiting. You're constantly recruiting. And the way you get the best people is by having good performing teams, good leaders on those teams. And, and, and your, your comment about you know Kyle Busch's team, that's the crew chief he wanted. Ben Bashore is the guy that Kyle Busch said, he's my guy, I want him to be my crew chief. So if things haven't worked the way that Kyle or, or, or a race fan may want it, that's who Kyle wanted to be as crew chief. So listen, it, it is a difficult thing matching the right people together. Again, he's a great example. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was struggling at Hendrick Motorsports. He came off a year where he and Jeff Gordon did not run well. He got more out of Dale Earnhardt Jr. than anybody did at Hendrick Motorsports. Would you have given up on him after the year that he didn't have a good year with yeah, Jeff right. Gordon? Mm -hmm. Some people would have. He got the most out of Dale Jr. of anybody at Hendrick Motorsports. So pairing people is really important, and it's very difficult to do, even at pit crews. Well, that was going to be my next question. Like yeah. In the context of Nashville, Hamlin, Bubba Wallace in particular, to Josh's point, how do I guess do they do they rejigger pit crews in a way that maybe doesn't show favoritism to some teams? You know what I'm saying? Like it's it seems like it's a little tricky with that. Right? So I, I will admit I, I don't think it's. I would wonder if they're questioning their philosophy. Mm -hmm. Let's go all the way back a year ago. They lost the championship too slow on pit road. Lost. Kyle Larson's team gave Kyle Larson the chance to win a championship. Since then, what I've heard is that Joe Gibbs Racing is 100%. They're on kill on every pit stop, as fast as they can go, as hard as they can go. They believed, over the offseason, that was how they would be the best in Phoenix. Right, we're going to do this for 35 weeks, so when we get to Phoenix and we got to have the stop to win a championship, that's how we're going to get there. Now, I question, with this choreography, and we saw it with the 11 a couple times, they're right on the ragged edge. One little hiccup in this choreography is more painful than a more conservative style pit stop. So, you know, I think it, that's really what I'm wondering, right? Like if you went out there every time and said, hey man, 10 second flats, 10 second flats, 10 second flats, 10 second flats, would that pay more dividends? What I'm watching out of Joe Gibbs Racing is a conceited effort of, no, 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 we are ears pinned back, dead on sprint every time. We'll see if that theory changes. I don't know. Can they go up and down with the pain? I mean, look at Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is, you know, can't seem to find the top 10, but when he does, man, he's a victory yeah. lane. So, uh, you know, the, the strategy is working to get in the playoffs, but it has not helped consistency. Well, also the challenge of building a pit crew for 2022 is never, it's immense. Like, you, skill set matters. And, a, and your best guy going over the wall last year, hitting five lug nights, might not be your best guy now. No. So no. you had to build all these pit crews. I'm not saying they're not using some of the same people because everybody is. But you also know they were out looking for people that could do this skill set better. It is a different skill set. And, and it's much harder than we thought. It's much harder than I yeah. thought it was going to yeah. be. I, I, you remember last year, I was mad as hell about no, this single was. thing. I was <laughs> like, man, this is. And, and the Keep reason why looking. was because I yeah. thought it was going to destroy Pit Road and right. the competition on Pit Road. But it hasn't. It hasn't. And, and it takes skill to do it. And you have to get the right people. But it's not easy. It's not easy to get that many good teams working at the same time. It's really, really difficult to do. Yeah. You know, though, so, sometimes, though, Nate, I think we look at, we're going to talk about, oh, how did Joe Gibbs lose it? You know, 
The counter is, is I'm not sure they lost it as much as Chase Elliott won it. Fair. Like, they, like, you know, he didn't just cruise around all day long. Like, oh, look, I'm the leader. Here's the trophy. Right. Like, that's not how it went down. You know, and I think we have to be very careful with that conversation. It's easy to pick on how it went wrong because it's easier to point out. Sometimes it's harder to point out how it went right. Um, and, and when I look at Allen and Chase, and they executed really, really well when it mattered. And especially when they've taken some criticism for, you know, Coke 600 a couple of years ago or Richmond earlier this year where things haven't always been perfect in terms of their execution, and they do deserve credit, Gustafson and Chase, for executing at Nashville. When you crew chief for Chase Elliott, when you crew chief yeah. for Jeff Gordon, when There's you crew chief for Dale Earnhardt Jr., yeah, you get a little bit of question <laughs> there. Having the most popular driver changes the question. Drive to TV if you're not careful. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the phone lines and talk to uh, Chandler. Chandler, welcome to NASCAR American Motormouths. Hey, guys, and, you know, if there's anything I love, you know, when, NAS- when the NASCAR season comes along, it's when you, Jeff, and Steve, and Rick Allen come on NBC. I really love what you guys do, so my hat's off to you. Um, and, Nate, you've been, you mentioned, you know, Chase Elliott, and not only you know he's won in Nashville, but the second year in a row, Hendrick Motorsports has been into victory lane in Nashville. So next year, can they make it three in a row? Yeah, uh, good question, Chandler. And, you know, this is two concrete wins this year for Hendrick as well. Chase won at Dover. So have they got something figured out for uh, for Nashville and Dover? I, I think they have something figured out in Nashville and Dover. Remember, they went one, two, three, four at Dover yep. just a, a short while back. So, they, you know, I think that they're good at the concrete checks. The other thing is when you look at the summer, uh, Nashville is one of the last few kind of ovals to figure it out before you get in the playoffs. I know that sounds silly with nine races to go. I mean, look what we have left, right? Like, Atlanta's now a speedway race. We got a road course, a couple more road courses. We go back to Richmond. We got, like, like, you know, so as we talk about approaching, you start in January trying to win the Daytona 500. Soon as you leave, the day you leave the Daytona 500, you try to get four cars in the playoffs. Okay, they didn't win the 500, four cars, check, check, check. So as you're going down the road, now it's like, what are we learning? You know, we went to Nashville, we had practice. It's kind of the last not the last, but one of the last ovals in the regular season, as crazy as it sounds all the way in June, but it yeah, really is. crazy to think about. Um, so I think that's why this was the race that propelled Kyle Larson, in my mind, to all those playoff points. And Jeff, when we look at the points, the, the opportunity to seize this year is out there still. There's a lot of guys very equal, which could make great playoffs, but if you can hit a hot streak here in the next eight weeks, your playoffs can become much more... Uh, obtainable to advance without being perfect yeah i i the the point thing is very interesting you just nobody has a major advantage and we just we're just looking at the the, the races coming up yeah i mean <laughs> we just talked about the podcast there's I a mean, lot of the x-factor races there's here. so many x-factor yeah, yeah, i mean like where's races. your oval right yeah. new hampshire pocono no indies a road course michigan maybe michigan's maybe the last yep. standard oval yeah and it, it's uh Listen, I, you ask about next year. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week. I don't yeah. have any yeah. clue what's going to happen <laughs> next year. This is such a competitive year. Yeah. A lot to talk about the rest of the season. A lot to talk about here on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. When we come back, we'll discuss how Chase Elliott won his second race of the season, winning at Nashville Super Speedway yesterday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motormouths, another big week for motorsports on NBC. We've got the Xfinity Series Cup Series at Road America this weekend. The IndyCar Series is at Mid-Ohio. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Series is in Canada. We've got Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Saturday from Redbud, Monster Jams in Miami. Dale Jr. Download will have Justin Marks on Thursday and then Motormouths Wednesday. 6 p.m. we'll have Alan Gustafson, the crew chief for Chase Elliott, and he talked a little bit about how the number nine Chevrolet won at Nashville Super Speedway last night. There was a restart where Chase like passed like five cars and like a half a lap. Can you give us your perspective on that? I felt like that that was kind of the moment in the race where I was like, all right, we 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 should win this race. Ultimately, uh, I didn't feel like we were going to pass the 19, I'm sorry, 18 and 19 at the time on equal ground. So I wanted to get off sequence with them there. And when I did, not as many people pit as I had hoped. So we were a little bit further back and he got back to, you know, what you're referencing, you know, fourth or fifth in no time. And I was like, this gives us a huge advantage, you know, restarts typically on our forte and our strength and, and chase did an amazing job with that. And, and that was really the first kind of indication. I was like, all right, this thing's pretty good. The restart thing, like, uh, you put anybody in the right situation and, and you can look like a hero, right? I don't think there's anything special I did. Um, you know, you can take a car that isn't balanced as well uh, as what our, ours was tonight and have the right lane choice and the right guys get bottled up at the right time and you pass three or four of them, you know? Um, so I don't necessarily think that was the turning point for me. I feel like it was more just a balanced thing and feeling like we were we had got it really close. Um and then from there, just trying to execute and you know, have good restarts up front and have good pit stops. So there's Chase Elliott's rather modest assessment of going from 14th <laughs> to 6th on a restart with 90 laps remaining. He didn't think that was a turning point, but certainly Alan Gustafson did. And I know you guys both think these restarts were really key. Well, I, I think you heard what Alan said. Is he was calling a race to beat the Toyotas. He felt like, heads up, uh, they were going to be hard to pass. So he made a strategic call. I say it all the time, they're playing chess. Two or three moves ahead, he, he made a strategic call to take tires. Knew he was going to lose some spots. Lost more than he wanted. I'm sure deep down was thinking, man, what have I done? And just like that, his driver picked him right back up, and he went from oh no to oh yes in one set of corners. And I hear what Chase is saying, and he's not wrong. These race car drivers are all amazing and put in the right situation. But at the same time, everybody else didn't do it. He did it. Yeah, and, and that's, I guess, what I'll say, Jeff. You know, I've learned race car drivers can be humble when they don't want the attention, but the simple fact is when it mattered, he did it, and that's, that's all we can analyze. Well, the, the thing about Chase is had, had he been on the bottom and that been for the lead and the guy passing on the outside, he would have taken the blame for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, great point. Great point. It's just Chase Elliott. I mean, it's just who he is. <clears throat> I love his modesty. I think, it, I think it's how he checks himself. Uh, I, think it's, I think that what he does is he just looks and says, Hey, I'm not that special. I got to work hard. I got to do my thing if I'm going to be successful. I'm okay. Hey, man, that's what makes it tick for you. Then you do what you got to do. But I think when he goes back and he really thinks about that race, that was a huge restart and giving them an opportunity to win this race. All right. So let's take a look at how Chase Elliott won this race, the turning point uh, at Nashville Super Speedway. 
And uh, Stevie, I know you want to talk about these restarts, if these were really key. Yeah, so we, we heard it, right? Alan Gustafson right here. This is the call he's talking about. You see the nine, first car on pit road. This is coming down to get a little lap fresh retires, 15, 20 lap fresh retires in the Toyotas. Unfortunately for Chase, not a whole lot of cars came with them. So that puts them all the way back here in traffic, Jeff. And then here you go, right? They're all going to kind of get stacked up. And look at Chase climb to the top. This is impressive. Yeah, just straight to the top, you know, three wide. Yep, what he's saying is, hey, nobody was in front of me. I was able to get around them. But look at the momentum he has. And look at the five car. The five car wasn't bottled up by anybody. He didn't have anything that was preventing him from being able to go. And now he's in position to do what he needs to do. Using those fresher tires, as Allen had hoped, they kind of gave the nine the advantage. He runs a 19 down. He runs the 18 down forces their hand, forces the Toyotas to come to pit road. The next lap, Chase Elliott counters. This is very difficult, because now he's a lap behind, right? This right here is impressive. The nine comes on to pit road, he pitted a lap later. He did lose the lap lead to the 18, and then, oh boy, calamity. <laughs> a caution during green flag pit stops, always a scoring nightmare. It gave the 18 the lead. Jeff, this restart, how did Chase Elliott do it? Yeah, Chase Elliott on the bottom of the racetrack. Number one, you might not make this move last year. This new car, the bottom of the racetrack is good. He's able to clear Kyle Busch. And, and, you know, listen, that's just aggressive racing with a really good race car. We talked about it at the start of the show. He and Allen did a great job of making their car better when the track got cooler and he was able to take advantage of it. You and I talked about it on your podcast a few minutes ago, Steve. I think drivers are going to have to start thinking, rethinking the outside lane with this car. The, the huge advantage in the old car, being on the outside of somebody, getting on their door, pulling the air off their car, slowing them down. Even if you're not faster, it slowed them down. That's not the case with this car. You might end up having to go back and treating these race cars like we did 25 years ago, and you just want to be on the bottom. It'll be interesting to see where this migrates. Two things. The arrow you just mentioned, but also that five-speed transmission gives you gearing options, right? It used to be, once you get the high gear, now you didn't really have enough gear to pull up off the bottom. Now, between A, not being at such an aero deficit, and B, when I go back and look at the data, these guys are staying in fourth gear through there. They have a little bit more gear ratio to make the bottom work, as you said. But it's interesting, right? Because Allen gave his driver a chance to win it. Right. And then they lost the lead through a sequence of green flag pit stops. But then when it mattered, you know, Chase took it back on a restart. And then we had that late yellow, which, you know, the nine made the tough decision to stay out. And I really look at that as the opportunity no one else took. Right, right. And when I watched those highlights, it, it kind of dawned on me, like, what's it like to be on the other side of that and be Joe Gibbs racing and to be in command the whole way? And then you just see it slipping away because of the, the, the calls that Gustafson made and the moves that Chase made. And you're like, oh, we, we let this one get away. So if, if I'm Joe Gibbs Racing, the big question is how we didn't line up on the front row. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the restart before, Chase Elliott was in second and beat Kyle Busch, who's a really good restart. So now the decision to pit comes out. Chase Elliott stays on the racetrack. Okay, I'm okay if one or two Gibbs cars pit. But they're second, third, and fourth, and none of them choose to restart on the front row. It baffles me. We learned after that there was communication issues. Truex, James Small was like, hey, buddy, you know, if we can start in the front row, let's do it. The only car that restarted like Chase's was Truex earlier in the race, restarted like a, like a, a bullet. Um, so I think you just have to ask yourselves, how did we trip up the communication there? Because... Um, I think a couple maybe wish they had a different decision to make, but it sounds like James Small made the, yeah. what I consider the right decision, yet it didn't get executed. 
That would be worth discussing. Maybe they I, need some new codes. Or something. Oh, the codes. Can we lose the codes? I got a code for you, Jeff. If I want you to cut down pit road, you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you to pit. Yeah. Yeah, if I don't want you to cut down pit road, I'm going to tell you, you go ahead and stay on the racetrack. I didn't know what that code meant, but I knew what it should have meant. <laughs> you did. You said it. <laughs> Listen, I, here, I will say this, though. I thought that they should have never pitted. We'd seen in practice, we'd seen earlier in the race, that older tires take off just fine. We've seen that multiple times in the race. However, we just showed a replay of Chase Elliott zinging around the top and picking up all those spots. Well, Alan said he did that to try to counter those guys. Well, they mm -hmm. recognize it too. So I'm sure that was in their brain. But, you know, you just can't give up that much track position. You just can't give up that much track position unless the tires are completely terrible when you when they have that many laps on it. It just was not the case on this night. And Jeff, listen, I like my homework. I did my homework. I don't know why I didn't do it in high school because I, now I do it. <laughs> we could pick on the Gibbs cars who didn't take advantage of it, but they're not alone. This list is long. Ross Chastain pitted from fifth, finished fifth. Kevin Harvick pitted from seventh, finished tenth. Mikey McDowell pitted from eighth, finished thirteenth. And I could go down the list of people that came down pit road. Why is Ricky Stenhouse on pit road? Why is Eric Amarola on pit road? Why is Tyler Reddick on pit road? It's easy to pick on Gibbs because they had the fast race cars. But Jeff and I have this conversation all the time. Your son Harrison, why did they pit from 26th? You're yeah. 26th. You're the last car in the lead lap. Stay out. Like, and it all happens in front of you. You see everybody pitting. Yeah. So, so where are you going? You're going to be the last car on new tires. I'd rather at least play defense try to make something happen. Well, a lot, and a lot of those guys lost their track position because of that green flag caution that came out. Oh. When the wheel came off the 17, that was just misfortune. There were some guys that hadn't pitted. Yeah, that's not a mistake. That's bad luck. Yeah, some guys that hadn't pitted, and they got extremely benefited by that. Gained track position. Other guys came out on the wrong end of that. Once you came out on the wrong end of that, the only way to try to fix it was to not pit mm -hmm. on that on that but, but hey listen man, I, I I just it baffled me, but I'm not saying I, I've never been a crew chief. <laughs> never gonna be one. Yeah. And it's obviously a hard thing to do. But on that night, we saw it in practice, we saw it during the race. Old tires took off plenty good. They took off plenty good enough to give your driver a shot to go and defend and fight and make something happen. So I, we just had a graphic. Maybe we could put it back up. I didn't do a great job of referencing it. I kind of went through my list here, got a little ahead of our friends in production, but they have this graphic built. And here we go. Bubba Wallace, a lot can be made of the pit stop. It was awful. It was this. It was that. It was this. Booty Barker, stay out, plus 11. Yeah. Right. Just choosing to stay on the racetrack. Christopher Bell, you mentioned it. Christopher Bell lost 14 spots when the caution caught him in the green flag cycle. His team grinds back eight of those spots in that final thing, right? Flip it, Brad Kozlowski was a wreck. Martin Trex Jr. and Kyle Busch, like it didn't wasn't just a race loss, it was it was and, 20 and spots. Truex, like, spots. Truex, okay, like he loses 18 spots because of the miscommunication, but Kyle loses 19 spots and was not happy about the fact that they took two tires. And there, it seemed like there was going to be a lot of post-mortem discussion there about like how do we set this right between him and Kuchi Ben Bayshore. It, it's, it's, you know... Racing is an emotional thing, and when you have a great car and you think you can, and you see it, and Kyle Busch is not dumb, right? When he sees that it's evaporated, where he's starting on two tires, he knows it can't be. It's hard to convince yourself to kind of keep fighting, but you have to do it, right? Corey LaJoy was on that thing at plus seven. He was the free pass. Mm -hmm. He was a lap down. He didn't, staying out was a pretty easy option for them. They didn't, like, they, they had no options. So, um, to your point, it is hard to crew chief. It's easy to, to counter it on Monday. 
I just get frustrated. I actually empathize more with Gibbs because the decision is harder at the front. I get more frustrated with the 10th to 20th place guys that I feel just fall in line way more than they should. I would love to see more gambles from the middle of the pack of any year. Why not this year? We got 12 winners, man. Let's throw some dice, see if we can, you know, get something magical. You mentioned Ben Bayshore, caller earlier, mentioned Ben Bayshore. Listen, I think Ben Bayshore is a really, really good crew chief. Absolutely. I think Ben Bayshore is a championship caliber crew chief. The pressure's mounting. Anything around Kyle Busch right now, the pressure's mounting. He's driving for Joe Gibbs racing. He's a multi-time champion. He does not have a deal in place for next year. That makes every race, every race, that much more pressure packed. It just does. It's the nature of the business. It's happened to all of us. He is one of the biggest names in the sport. He's one of the most polarizing figures in the sport. People love to see him win. People love to see him lose. There's going to be eyeballs on him. And they're out there trying to get a deal done for him to stay. Your interview with David Wilson with Toyota. It would be a tragedy was the word he used if Kyle Busch doesn't return to Joe Gibbs Racing. Tragedy yep. is a large word. The pressure is mounting around this team and getting Kyle Busch signed, and everybody in the organization is feeling it. There's no way around it. You cannot have a figure as big as Kyle Busch and not have him under contract without pressure falling. Yeah, no question. A lot of pressure there for Joe Gibbs Racing and with not winning that race Sunday at Nashville Super Speedway. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll talk to a guy who did win at Nashville Super Speedway this past Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And Allgaier will join us. There he is, coming up next on NASCAR America. Sun beating down on the racetrack. Beautiful afternoon for racing. Justin Allgaier is going to win in Nashville. And that was a butt ticket. Awesome job. Awesome job. Win number two on the 2022 season. What a heck of a race, man. I've been coming here a long time and love this racetrack. And I'm trying to go to victory lane so bad. These black marks, they never get old. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, where we are joined by the winner of the Xfinity race at Nashville Super Speedway, Justin Allgaier with us here, driver of the number seven Chevrolet. So, Justin, a butt kicking. Uh, maybe not so great wow. for the rest of the series, but seemed like you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, we, um, <laughs> we looked at this race from last year, and, and it was one that I circled. You know, after the way last year ended and to lead laps and to, to be leading with a whole slew of uh, green white checkers and then to get beat on the final restart and, and ultimately finish second to Kyle Busch. Obviously it was disheartening, but I've been going to Nashville for a long time. Long before, you know, we went back, we, we raced in the Arca series. We ran in the Xfinity series there. And it's just always been a, a, a racetrack on my schedule that I've loved. Number one, but number two, I've wanted that guitar, that guitar in victory lane. There's nothing like it. And for me, that was what it was really all about. And, and, the team just did an incredible job. I mean, to have a car that was that good, I mean, I think 
you know, as, as crew chiefs, uh, Steve, and, and as drivers, Jeff, you know, I think you look at uh, the days that you can count on probably one hand that you've had a car where you just go, man, I could do no wrong. And that's just where we were at on Saturday. It was really nice. Well, Justin, it was impressive. It was fun to watch. You're on top of your game. That was your 18th win. Uh, veteran in the sport, still winning today. Maybe a championship favorite. Uh, you've been at Junior Motorsports for a long time. Is this the best Junior Motorsports has ever been? It is. And you want to know what's odd about that? We're literally doing nothing different. Um, I, I wish I wish there was some magic that I could put my finger on that says, man, we're, we're really you know excelling in all of these areas. And what I've learned is is that really consistency has been the key for us. Uh, four consistent drivers, four consistent crew chiefs. Uh, everybody gets along really well. All the all the drivers are pushing each other to, to be better, right? We're all racing each other hard, but we're also, uh, when you're battling three of your other teammates up front and you're battling them week in and week out, you're pushing each other to be better. The crew chiefs are all working really well together. The engineers are all working really well together. And really, that's all you can ask for is is just consistency week in and week out and, and good solid race cars and you know everybody everybody talks about how their guys and gals work back at the shop and they work their guts out to to break great race cars but you know they're doing that and and they're taking pride in their work and the hendrick engine department's doing a great job you know chevrolet as a whole i mean whether it's on saturdays or sundays or fridays it doesn't matter chevrolet as a whole has done a great job this year and um just really proud of, of where we're at and and proud of our program and that's there's a lot to be said for that and i, and I said it on on saturday you know, it's an honor to drive these race cars right now because you never know when that speed's going to go away. You never know when another team or another competitor is going to figure out something that's going to that's going to surpass where you're at. But but I just feel like with where our team's at right now, it's just it's really really impressive to see the speed that we're having, not only from our 17 but all for our cars. So so Justin, you always come to mind when the series heads to Bristol and Dover. And I used to right. think concrete, and then I was thinking banking and load and all of these different things. Then we go to Nashville, which was nothing like those two tracks other than it's concrete, and you annihilate them all. So I might ask you, man, what's the magic? What's the concrete magic? Is it a feel? Like, why are you just, I mean, it's clear. Even on the worst years, you're still the best car when we go to these concrete tracks. If I could bottle up whatever it was and figure it out, I would do it in a heartbeat because I would, I would adapt that to all of my uh, asphalt tracks because it is, it is something, it is something special. And you know, Carl Edwards comes to mind. You know, Carl Edwards was was really really good on on as or on concrete tracks and and was able to have something that was just better than everybody else. And I think some of it comes from racing dirt. You know, there's a little bit of a feel from an, uh, an asphalt track to a concrete track that, that maybe has a little bit less security, if you will, but it's, but it's consistent. But, you know, on Saturday with the, uh, whatever the, the different brand of resin. So this is a, a kind of a new combination of resin, I guess, similar to what we ran at Charlotte, but with the resin down and with the, the concrete racetrack, you know, you had to move around. There was never a, a lap or two laps in a row that the racetrack was the same. You, you might run one lap and run on the bottom and the next lap, the top was faster. And I think for me, just being able to, to switch around and try different lines and, and be willing to, to look for different lanes was super important. And uh, I said in my Victory Lane interview, this one was for the dirt racers because really that's I – drove, I, I drove it just like I would a dirt race. You know, I still get to run my, my UMP Modified every now and again, and, and uh, I ran it just like I would run that car, you know, on a dirt track. So it was, it was really special. 
Justin, not just a dominant win, but you also told us uh, a little bit of emotional win for you as well when you talked to us in the media center afterwards. I know that you kind of uh, dedicated it to your dad who uh, had had some health issues lately. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you know, why it was special on that front. Well, you know, for me, racing has always been a family sport. I got into this sport because of my family. You know, my dad is, my mom and dad both have been in the, the, the tire business, racing tire business, and in the parts business for many, many, many years. And, and you know, my dad was the, he was the guy that did all of the, the uh, sales, tire sales for the ARCA Racing Series for as long as I could remember growing up. And so, you know, my love for, for the sport really came from family. And, you know, I've been lucky enough, my, my beautiful wife and my two kids, they, they, they have carried that tradition on. And it's been about family. And about, um, I guess it was at Coda, my dad was actually spotting for me. And I spent the night before the race in the ER with my dad until about two o'clock in the morning and you know lucky that you know we've we've, we've been fortunate enough to have a, a, a good number of, of doctors that are you know a part of this sport whether they're directly or indirectly involved in the sport that that are involved in the sport and we're able to get him in get him to see some specialists and you know ultimately have some surgery and um, ended up kind of an odd thing but ended up having uh, pressure on his on his brain that was causing dementia and and stroke symptoms and anybody that's ever dealt with dementia or stroke it's 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 an incredible an incredible uh situation and and so to even have kind of those phantom uh, symptoms i guess if you will it was it was really tough to watch and, and i didn't know if my dad was ever going to be able to go to the track again and so for him to be able to get back you know really nashville was the first race back for him after a surgery it, it just emotionally it meant a lot right because he's he's up until a couple of years ago, he had never missed a single race of mine in my professional career. And, and um, he was in the hospital, the one that he missed the first time. So, you know, ultimately it was, it was just good to have him back and, and uh, really, really sentimental to, to win at a racetrack that we both wanted to win at for a long time and to be able to do that with him and being there and being able to come to victory lane and hold the, hold the guitar with me and do all those things. Well, Justin, I had the uh, privilege of watching a lot of races of your races last year with your dad in the family section when we were dealing with COVID, and he is your biggest fan. I can <laughs> promise you that. <laughs> he loves to watch you race. I can, you can see it in his eyes. Hey, so what about the rest of the year? You guys are on a roll, but how do you keep that going? What are the biggest challenges coming up? I think the biggest challenges coming up are just not beating ourselves. I, I look at the races that are on the schedule for the next, you know, handful of full of months, and and there's really not one that I've circled as I'm not looking forward to. Right? Um, I know that sounds odd because everybody's got their their flavor that they like, whether it be short tracks or speedways or road courses, whatever it is. But I just feel like right now, with the speed that we've got, with the cars that we've got, with the racetracks that are coming up, I'm, I'm excited. And and I keep telling everybody, and I, I think everybody thinks I'm a little bit crazy whenever I say it, but I, I think we could easily have four Junior Motorsports Camaros in the top four when it comes time for Phoenix. And if we do that, I mean, it's going to be tough, right? Because, you know, battling for a championship, you know, the gloves come off. But, but man, I just feel like our program as a whole between uh, the one, the seven, the eight, and the nine has just been truly, truly special and really uh, – Really looking forward to these next couple of months and getting into these playoffs. Yeah, taking a look at the playoff leaderboard right there, Justin. That's a bold prediction, but I mean, who knows? You got all four in the top eight right now, so 
Maybe it'll happen for you. Hey, uh, congratulations again on the win at Nashville, and uh, thanks for joining us here in NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Absolutely, as always, I appreciate it. I'm sorry that I got this funky background and the, the birds chirping. My original plan for, for doing this uh, got got diverted, and so this was a this was a little bit of a makeshift situation. But I do appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, looking forward to getting back to the racetrack this weekend with everybody. And good to have MBC Worked back, it. right? It was good. To, it Thanks, was good man. to have everybody back. You know, on, even though on Sunday y'all had the you know 24 hours of Nashville, it was still good to watch everybody. <laughs> everybody good to have everybody back. Well, it worked out great for us. Worked out great for you. I think as the Xfinity winner, you can do whatever you want with that background. Lizzie, actually, I was going to give him credit. I think it's the best camera we've had yet this year. <laughs> I, want, I was going to text him and be like, hey, man, what kind of phone you have? That camera is impressive. We like yeah. masonry bricks, so, man. Yeah, we got no, it, too. No, no yeah. it is. It's good. Go. And, and let me just go ahead and tell you, if they can get four in the championship four, our man Dale Jr. won't be okay. He's going to have to find a place to hide. He gets oh. nervous. He starts <laughs> oh, pacing. He oh. won't be able to do it. He is not going to be able to function if we have four in the top four, right? <laughs> Yeah, we're just gonna say that he he won't be able to function. Y'all are gonna have to y'all are gonna have to really like, you know, eyes and ears on him at all times if that happens. Hey, uh, listen, I'm warning you right now. If all four of you guys are in the race at Phoenix with chance winning championship, he's gonna sit on your box. You think so? Well, he's not gonna be in the booth. <laughs> we're not gonna let him. He's gonna, we're gonna send him down there to your box. <laughs> you send him down to us. You send him down to us. We'll take care of him. How about that? All right. Yeah. All right. No pressure then. No pressure. Oh, thanks. All right. Justin. Thanks again to Justin Allgaier, uh, Saturday's Xfinity winner, for for joining us here on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. When we come back, we will be talking more Nashville Super Speedway. Sunday's cup race won by Chase Elliott. Come join us on the phone 844-627-2276. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let me say this, people. Let me say this. Now, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. Sorry, caller. I'm going to say this. Let me say this. But I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. But I'm telling you something. I will say it forever. Love hearing from you. Hashtag let me say this on NASCAR American Motormouths. And you can leave a voicemail anytime after 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Your question or comment will be featured during or can be featured during our pre-race show from Road America Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern on USA. Just call 844-NASCAR-NBC after 7.30 p.m. Wednesday. Leave a voicemail for KP. So we want to hear from you. And now let's hear from what the cup drivers had to say last night after Nashville. Yeah, it, was, it was an eventful last 100 laps for sure. Uh, you know, the last caution, you know, Jonathan did a good job of just wanting to stay out. You know, we went to run third without that. So long day of kind of perseverance on uh, on the 12 group, but uh, appreciate all the hard work and getting closer to victory lane. Hopefully we can get here soon. I got soft on him. I, I should have been throwing some fenders and moving some momentum around, and I didn't stick with our strength. We, we didn't have many strengths tonight. We just executed really well. I just want to throw some vendors, and I didn't get the job done. So I'm, I'm happy with second, but my guys, everybody will be smiling, but I, I let them down. I should have come up with a better plan. Appreciate it. 
out on the front first thing. I guess I need it. Oh, my man. I'm supposed to stay there. That's all me. Sorry, guys. My fault. Are we the only one that took right? Yeah. Here yeah. start. That didn't make sense. Holy going to be bad. Didn't have some things work out for us there. We got, you know, caught a lap down, had to do the wave around, and drove from 20-something up to 10th there before the last caution, and we stayed out and you netted out a top five. So, you know, Cliff, it, it really shows you know, how well he's prepared our team to uh, you know, face moments like we will for these next four weeks. So, too tight. I mean, a lot of times just driving to one and, and just be too tight to really to really hustle it and, and carve underneath the guys that I needed to. So, all in all, I think we, we deserved a fifth-place finish. And, yeah, it's, it's not fun to be bad on restarts as a driver, but um, – Maybe I can do something better next time, and uh, I'll go to school on that. Pretty cool. Well, Corey LaJoy's a really good race car driver. Uh, no, it's sorry. Did not mean to do this. No, he was committed to the second lane. You mother Everything is good right now. Obviously, we are on that down. I apologize for that. Leave me the alone, dude. Don't talk to me the whole race. I am, and we're not out of it. Keep doing what you're doing. We will get back. I know you're pissed. You deserve to be. So there you have it, what some drivers were saying after the race and during the race. We just heard Bubba Wallace there had some terse words for crew chief Booty Barker. And I mean, Booty turned out being right, like you said earlier, Stevie. I mean, Bubba Wallace didn't quite get back to the top ten, but he, he salvaged a decent uh, So I'm going to justify Bubba's disappointment. They had a pit crew is- pit issue and then lost a lap resolving it, which is, I mean, Close to unacceptable. It shouldn't be done. That should be able to be resolved in the thing. But I'm also going to flip sides now and say, while I feel that the team definitely didn't help him along there, the reaction is unacceptable. Like, it's good to be upset. I like that Bubba's upset. I like that he's passionate. Um, But I feel like he crossed the line a little bit. I think his frustration sounded personal. I don't know if that was his intent. But I would have taken it personal if I was the crew chief. And I, I, I just feel like... You know, listen, there's a lot of eyes on him. He drives for Michael Jordan. He was good in practice. The Toyotas were good. I mean, it's easy to set the stage to, to, to empathize with the pressure he's under. I don't know what it's I have no idea what it's like to walk in his shoes. It's got to be immense. But, you know, he's a professional athlete expected to get the most out of his car. Now, I'm going to also, though, I never thought that he laid down behind the wheel. Don't confuse the two. He drove a great final run on those old tires to get up to 11th. But, but I thought the comments went from frustrating to perhaps a little vulgar and personal. Definitely uh, vulgar. And, I, and, yeah. and personal. I think, I think it turns personal. And I think that's an area that I'd like to see him improve because I think he would be, end up having better results if he could somehow control some of that emotion. Yeah, uh, 24th in points, his teammate Kurt Busch is 7th in points. And you and, said it. Yeah. The, there's, we, we, I never drove with the amount of eyeballs and pressure on me that – Bubba Wallace has to deal with. That's a pressure I never felt. And he is in a situation where he's trying to prove himself. And I wish he would take a step back. And I know it's difficult to do. I'm not saying I could have done it. (laughs) But I wish he'd take a step back and recognize this is the first time he's ever in his career had an opportunity to be able to have a teammate, to be able to work with a Kurt Busch, and he's going to be better for it. He's, he had good speed all weekend, and things out of his control during the race hurt his ability to finish, and that's happened multiple times. He deserves to be mad. He deserves to be frustrated. Yeah, yeah. The pit crew has got to get fixed. They are hurting his opportunity. But we still are a team. We still got to get this done together. 
And, um, but that pressure, and I've dealt with it. Jimmy Johnson's dealt with it. Jeff Gordon's dealt with it. Everybody I know is starting, Kevin Harvick started to deal with it. Everybody I know has felt the pressure of having a teammate that's outperforming you. Yeah. And it's not fun, but he will be better for it. And he's just going to have to weather the storm. Yeah. You know, team ownership gets tested in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we say, hey, what makes Rick Hendrick good? What makes our CRC? Why has Richard Childress had so many championships, right? Coach Penske, the, these, these elite people, right? It's not just raising capital and hiring people. Like, Rick Hendrick has this knack to diffuse. We've all heard the milk and cookies meeting with Chad and Jimmy, right? Like, they, they know when to get involved and not to. And now, every one of them does it differently. I, I never drove for Jack, but you've told me so many stories about how amazing Jack is uh, around cars and just these different things. All these people that were successful for us for a reason. And it's going to be interesting for me to see how Denny and Michael handle this situation. I mean, now listen, he has two great guys in his corner, right? Denny, an elite race car driver, right? Well, what are we talking, like top 20, 30, 40? I don't know where you're going to put him on the number, but one of the best, right? And then Michael Jordan. Uh, let's not even defend who he is, right? He's the guy. So I think the talent's there to hopefully, to, because I do think this is a, a skill you can learn, to try to work on that emotion. One of his teammates is that one of his owners is having bad pit stops too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. <laughs> Great point. It's not Great a nice. Point. It doesn't make it better for Bubba. Totally agree. It doesn't make it better for Bubba. But not, it actually probably makes it worse. Unfortunately for Bubba, it's not an isolated issue. So, because <laughs> Denny's probably like, he's right. <laughs> he's right. That doesn't help matters. Don't make uh, me say what he said. <laughs> let's squeeze in one more phone call here. NASCAR America Motormouth's Sam is on the line. Sam, welcome to the show. What do you got for us? Uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, we saw Michael McDowell run great at Nashville in the top ten. We've seen other guys who normally we think of just field fillers, but we've seen them run like top 20, sometimes even in the top ten. So with this next-gen car making some of the cars run better and the costs expected to be lowered, will this bring new teams into the series? Appreciate that phone call, Sam. That's uh, a great question. So first, let's touch on Mike McDowell. Blake Harris, new crew chief, came over from Truex. A-plus year, right? I mean, consistent, top 10. Every time we look up out the window, he's right there. He was on the short end of the of the late yellow, ended up 13th, running eighth before it. But not enough to say about Mike McDowell. Jeff, I'm going to throw it to you. I don't think Trackhouse is going to be the last new team. I just believe there's opportunity, whether it's a year, two years, five years, I don't know. Uh, there's too many positive stories of new ownership, 2311 and Trackhouse. I think it can entice new owners. 100%. And Michael McDowell, is, he's 21st in points, uh, has multiple top fives this year, done an incredible job. He's proven his worth once again. Michael McDowell, he's a real deal. Listen, Mike McDowell's one of those guys I have circled that could really turn the playoffs even more upside down, right? Decent road course racer, Road America, a lot of experience. All right. Why not? I, I want to go back real quick through the field before we finish. Kurt Busch kind of beat himself up on that restart. Fair? Should, should he, could he have done more? Kurt Busch didn't have the pace to run with Denny Hamlin or didn't have the pace to run with Martin Truex, didn't have the pace to run with Chase Elliott. Yeah. Uh, yes, could could Kurt Busch gone in there and tried to, you know, door him, rub him, fender him? Yeah, he could have done that, but... But that's not Kurt Busch. That's not his style. Yeah. So Kurt was saying, hey, man, I was so close. I wish I could have done it. But I think on that night, Kurt Busch and his team need to be happy with second. Some drivers in the field that could learn from Kurt Busch for not making waves and just finishing second. <laughs> no damage? I got a list. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. He's been But yeah. on a serious note, he has a win. He's in the playoffs. You know what? Some days just aren't your day. Yeah. I appreciate 
the, the reflection that he wishes he could do more, but I appreciate even more his professionalism at the end of this race. All right, great discussion here of Nashville on NASCAR American Motormouths. Appreciate all the phone calls. Steve and I will be back Wednesday with Marty Snyder. As we said, Alan Gustafson joining us as well on the show. Come join us Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. Thanks for watching NASCAR American Motormouths. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.